which is the greater works? I'm not totally sure, but how about we just do the same works? We start there, and then we can talk about greater works, okay? All right, so let's, uh, let's look at Matthew 8, uh, 5 through 7 again. Let's, let's kind of look at the setting of it, and then we're going to get some uh, fun stuff here. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Uh, like I said, this Roman centurion, who's a military leader over many men, and he came to Christ about his sick servant, and he said his servant was paralyzed and suffering terribly. I want you to notice Christ's reaction, his immediate reaction to the statement of, of the centurion. He didn't consider that maybe this painful condition was part of God's plan to help him become a better person, or maybe he was being cursed for something, that God couldn't lift the curse because he was right, you know. He already, Christ already knew what the Father's will was. You notice know, so there was no hesitation, no, let's see, if it be that way, there was none of that stuff. Remember, guys, it's always God's will to heal. I hate to bring this illustration up because I don't want people getting so sidetracked by it. So if I bring up this illustration, you promise me you're not going to get sidetracked by it? Yes. All right. So this is secondhand knowledge, so I hate to do it as well. But I guess the new episode of The Chosen, uh, Jesus, he um, did not heal somebody. And uh, it was a story not found in the Bible. And it was supposed to comfort the people who were waiting for their healing and they would be healed at a certain time. Something along those lines. I think the guy was Little James or something like that. I don't know. Um, so let's not throw out the whole Chosen series, you know, man, they do, they're doing a lot of good on that stuff, but guys, that's a different gospel. That is a different Jesus. The Jesus of the gospels never left somebody there, and uh, you know, too bad, and we're going to go off, like, that, that's a different gospel. That's, that's actually pretty scary. I'm not saying, like I said, don't throw out the whole thing, but that is a bunch of fill in the blank, garbage, <laughs> balagna, whatever you want to say. Guys, Jesus uh, healed every person who came to him and every person the Father led him to. There's never an example, oh, it's not my timing. Oh, you're in the middle of an important lesson. Oh, you're going to be a lesson to Israel to show them the hope is in God and someday. There's none of this foolishness. They came to Jesus expecting him to help and they got healed every single time. In case you didn't get the point, God wants you well. Well, Jim, what if it's my fault? What if I've had poor eating habits? God wants you well. What if it's flu season? God wants you well. It was funny because I, I was reading that post about the chosen and some lady was genuinely saying, where's that story in the Bible? I don't remember it. And she like, it kept asking different people, because it's not in there. <laughs> it's made up by religion stupidity. You can quote that one if you want. So. Christ told the centurion, I'm going to come to where your servant is and heal him. That was Jesus' normal pattern. He would come and he would lay hands on people. That was, we see him healing the multitudes. A lot of times it says he was laying hands on all of them. So this is Jesus' normal mode of doing it. But the centurion has something else in mind. I find this is great. Verse 8. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. I mean, again, this is a guy who's used to ordering people around. It's not like the Jews were on equal level with the Romans. You know, the Romans had occupied Jerusalem. The Jews had to get permission. They're heavily taxed, all this stuff. He's used to bossing people around. And here this guy has got some great humility, but he's also got some crazy spiritual insight. He suggested to Jesus, how about we take a different course of action? Instead of you coming to where my servant is lying and is suffering terribly, um, the centurion knew all Jesus had to do was speak the word. Where is this great faith coming from? He knew that if Jesus spoke the word, he's putting his faith in the word of God. Like, how could this centurion believe that you just have to speak the word? And so he gives us the explanation in verse 9. For I, too, am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. 
and to another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion said, um, just like you, I'm a man under authority. He's like, we are the same. We're operating under the same paradigm. Notice he didn't say that I'm a man in authority. This is a key thing here. The centurion didn't say, I'm a man in authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. Guys, you're only going to have as much authority as you're willing to submit to. I'm not talking about human authority. I'm talking about God's authority. If you're not living to do God's will, don't pretend that God's going to back you up. You're just dressed up in a Roman centurion costume trying to boss people around. How are we doing? Well, Jim, we just need to know the principles. You know, the principles without the prince is more like witchcraft than kingdom. Remember the story in Acts 19? There was seven sons of a Jewish, uh, of a, um, uh, seven sons of Sceva, and they, uh, Sceva was a Jewish, was he a Jewish magician? Is that what it was? And so they, uh, they encountered this demoniac, and they started to uh, put on the Roman centurion clothes. They started putting on the disciple clothes, and they started using the name of Jesus to try to cast out the demon. Remember what the demon's like? He's like, I know Paul. And I know Jesus, but I don't know who you are. And the demoniac had this uh, superhuman strength, and he beats up these seven uh, brothers, and they run out of there naked and bleeding. When, I, had to, I don't know if they're going to do that one in The Chosen. I'm not going to do if they're going to do that one. And then it said, um, and I love the next phrase, and the word of God was held in high esteem. Isn't that interesting? So what happens, guys? It's, uh, it's not just um, understanding authority, but you actually have to be under the authority of God. God, I live to do your will. That's how Jesus lived his life. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Guys, we're getting a big clue in here in healing ministry. Jesus was under authority. The centurion realized that Christ was living in direct submission to the Father's will in the same way that he was in direct submission to his commanding officer. He's like, I get how this thing works. I only have as much authority as I'm willing to submit to my commanding officer. If he goes and does his own thing, Rome's not going to back him up. You only have as much authority as you're willing to submit to under the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to go doing your own thing, heaven's not going to back you up. Guys, a person with authority doesn't have to shout. This is a big hint to parents. If you have to shout, you've already lost. Okay? The centurion was saying, listen, I don't have to beg. I don't have to shout. I don't, have to, I don't even have to be personally present. I can send a message, and as long as my name's attached to it, they're going to do what I want. How are we doing? Are all the kids looking at the parents? No, I'm sorry about that one. So, we'll, well, hey, we're all growing. We're all imperfect. We're all imperfect. But if you kids would submit to your parents, they wouldn't have to shout. There we go, parents. You're welcome. So there we go. All right. We're all even. We're all even. We're all growing. Parents and kids, we're all growing. What does it say? It said um, in uh, Luke 2, uh, was it like, I think maybe around 52, where it says that um, Jesus submitted himself to his parents. And that is when he was arguing in the synagogue. So, all right. Some of you, that's the only thing you're getting out of this, but we're going to keep going on. So the guy says, listen, I can send a message, and as long as my name's attached to it, they're going to do it. I tell this one to do it, they do it, right? And so I remember um, when the kids were little one time. So our, our youngest is Evan. It's so nice to have Evan home from Bible College. Yay, Evan. <laughs> All the single ladies, all the single ladies. No, so, so. He hates it when I tease him. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's wonderful. He is just absolutely wonderful. But I remember one time um, I, I said, go tell your brother. We had, you know, different days. The kids do different chores. And uh, I think uh, Josh and Wesley were supposed to be doing the dishes or something. I said, go tell your brothers to um, uh, come down and do the, do the dishes. And so he goes up and tells them nothing, absolutely nothing. And uh, I said, try this. Uh, go and tell the boys to do dishes. Dad said. Guess what? The boys came down for that one. 
Why? There's authority in that name. He didn't have the authority to tell his brothers to do it. Okay? When we're saying in the name of Jesus, we're not, what are we saying? We're saying dad said. It's not my authority. A lot of believers, they're, they're uh, you know, trying to really strive to get their identity out of stuff so they can feel like they're special. No, no, no. It's, it's not for you. Your identity isn't so you feel special. Your authority is so you can represent what dad's like. Here's what the centurion is saying. Jesus, you and me are the same. You're submitted to a superior, and you're here to fulfill that superior's agenda. And when you speak, whatever power is behind that sickness, it runs away because there's a greater authority chasing it out. You have, authority, you have the authority of your superior. He understood that Jesus had been sent to do someone else's agenda. So when Jesus spoke and acted, all of heaven backed him up because he was doing the will of somebody else. Matthew 8, 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I mean, I love this. Jesus is marveling at this guy's faith. I want you guys to get this. This guy wasn't even saved. He was outside the kingdom. But he, so he saw how this thing operated, and he was ap- actually able, able to t- uh, tap into supernatural faith. We see in Luke, I think it's Luke 7's other story, that uh, it said that um, he had been hearing things about Jesus. So he's, what, what, you know, what kind of things was he hearing? This Jesus, he heals everybody. This Jesus heals with authority. He begins to hear these things. So he's hearing good news. He's putting his faith in, but he's even outside the covenant, and he just begins to tap into this supernatural faith. And here we get to learn from him. The centurion believed that the spoken word of Jesus was sufficient to produce his miracle. He didn't need Jesus to come to his house. He had faith in Jesus' word. This is interesting, guys. Jesus and his word are inseparable. Okay, for people to say, I love Jesus, but they don't love the word of God, it's impossible. The two are inseparable. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word of God. Okay, those aren't just words printed on a page. It's a living word. You can have a relationship with Jesus by getting to know him through his word. Jesus is the word. They're inseparable. And this man recognized that the Jesus who was speaking the word, it was just as good as Jesus being there. I want you guys to get this. Jesus' words were just as good as Jesus being there. Okay? This man put faith in Jesus and his word. and his, base, his faith was based on the word of God, and he said, this is the greatest faith I've ever seen. Faith that just needs to hear the word of God. This man didn't need Jesus to come and touch. He believed the word of God. Guys, I'm, I'm going to pack this here a little bit, but this is one of the greatest keys of faith. I, I absolutely love this story. When you believe God's word more than you believe the word of a doctor or a lawyer or anybody else, you're beginning to tap into this thing. A lot of people say, I love God, but when it comes down to it, if the doctor says you've gotta, uh, you know, you're going to die, what do they do? They start planning their funeral. Some of you could quote many healing scriptures. You shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. By his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we were healed. He bore his sickness, carried our pain. Like we, we have all those scriptures, right? And you may be able to quote those verses, but the problem is, is when we know those verses, but we're more moved by what a man says, then we're not under the authority. Are we doing okay? When it comes down to it, many people, they believe that in the natural and the things we've been taught more than the word of God. So many people in the news media, they believe the news media more than the word of God. Many, uh, perhaps you've heard, inflation is going to destroy our economy. Maybe it is. I don't know. And so, but, the, but the reaction of the believer is not to get into fear. The reaction is not, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? We need to get, build a bunker. And you know, we're going to start bartering with bullets in the future. We're going to do all this stuff. Here's, here's what the Bible says. God will bless the work of your hands. 
It says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Guys, there's no unstable economy in glory in Christ Jesus. No matter what, who's on Air Force One, it's not going to shake the kingdom of God. All right? You can know what both sides say. You can know what the news is saying, and you can know what God's saying, but you only act on the one that you really believe. What you're acting on is what you really believe. And so when you're acting fear and panic and worry about the doctor's report, so we had some people come up and, and testify that, you know, that they're saying that, man, I, I've got this diagnosis from the doctor, okay? So now, I'm, I'm just calling you out, a, a, anyone who's got something, but you've got a choice. Am I going to believe this report more? I'm not saying it's untrue. I'm not saying that these are lying symptoms or this and that. I'm saying there is a greater truth that you can step into. There's something that God has said over your life before you were ever born. And when you come under the authority of that word, the power of that word comes into your life. I mean, boy, do I need to sing the song? Whose report will you believe? God's looking for people who will not just sing it, but will renew their mind to it. People act more by what the world says. It's flu season. Oh, no. They've been confessing it to other people. Oh, no, it's flu season. Oh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to stay. I'm going to be a hermit. I'm going to do this. What's the Bible say? By his stripes, you are healed. I'm not saying it's not flu season. I'm just saying Psalm 91 says it's not going to come near my dwelling. Which one are you going to believe? You can't believe. I love uh, James 1. It says that um, the man who believes and not doubt um, he, uh, see, the man who believes in doubt is like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. That man is unstable. He shall not receive anything that he, th- uh, he will not receive anything from the Lord. What's that? It's like Mr. Facing both ways. It's flu season. By his stripes where you heal. But oh my, <coughs> oh my gosh. I'm not saying if you have a cough that you don't have the flu. I'm just saying there's a greater reality that you are healed. Amen. And you begin to put your faith in that word even more than if Jesus had come and touched you. You're stepping into the faith of the centurion. I'm not saying this to be mean, guys. I'm, I'm just trying to open up your eyes, all right? But many people, I get this. Why isn't faith working? Faith's working just fine, but you're putting faith, more faith in the wrong area. You're putting more faith in what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel than what the Word of God says. I mean, if you were to go to a doctor, they may have more influence over us than God himself just because this man has a physical form. I can see this person. I can't see God. What I'm encouraging us is, guys, we've got to become the kind of people who are meditating on these stories till the word of God is more true than what we hear. Like, Jim, you're talking loco. No, I'm talking faith. (laughs) Remember, God's kind of faith is Romans 4.17. God calls those things that are not as though they were. God calls those things. They're they're not happened yet, but he's calling it as if it was. What's he doing? This is God's kind of faith. He sees the end. We want to see God's kind of results. We're going to have to use God's kind of faith. You're going to have to start looking at things that are not as though they were. Okay, so we had the heart conditions up here. You're going to have to begin to see yourself on the inside as healed. A picture of yourself. I'm seeing myself that um, things that are not. Maybe there's a burning chest pain. I, I'm, I, this is just great. God, God's healing people of this right now. He's highlighting it, not to rub your nose in it. He's highlighting it so we can say, this, this is God's will. When God gives a word of knowledge, he's not saying, these are the only things I want to heal. He's just trying to raise faith in the room to go, hey, I've got this. 
Remember, God's no respecter of persons. Anytime one person gets healed, uh, that's a testimony of your healing. God's no respecter of persons. It's the same family business. When the doctor tells you you're sick, you're going to have to say, listen, this doctor is doing the best they can from a human perspective, but this is what the word of God says. And you've got to paint a picture on the inside, meditate on it, hold fast to this thing. You've got to be like a dog. I mean, I, oh, we, uh, oh, geez, our little Ellie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so she's learned how to climb up on the kitchen table. And so, um, and so I don't want to say who left the Oreos out, but um, it wasn't me, and it wasn't Mary, and Evan's the only one there. And so... Um, <laughs> So we come home, and Mary and I were eating at the table, and I hear this weird, like, noise, and I go, and it's an empty, it's a plastic sleeve of Oreos. I hold it up, and then the, the wrapper of it, the, the part that says Oreos, is on the other side of the room, and then there's a milk carton over here, and then there's the lid of the milk carton. I don't know if she's somehow dipping the cookies in the milk. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. But when she, like, has, like, a new toy or, like, food in her mouth, she's like, you know, it's just like, she will hold onto it for, I mean, it's like, like, you know, there's like a spiritual warfare going on. I'm like, I'm ready to like, like lay oil on her or something like that. And so, like, she, when she grabs hold of those toys or those cookies or something like that, she is not moving from those things. Guys, that's how we've got to be with God's word. Amen. It's like the enemy's going to come and try to shake you. Oh, you got this symptom. Oh, the doctor says this. Oh, we've never heard of anyone being cured by this. Oh, you've been prayed for 50 times and nothing happened. Oh, remember you got healed of that, but it came back. It's going to come back again. Man, you got to be moved. You're not going to be moved by what you see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. You're moved by what the word of God says. Guys, I'm not talking about fake it till you make it. I'm talking about God. I'm tapping into an unseen realm. Guys, see how this thing works. And when you say the word, it happens. Guys, miracles are exciting, and they get people's attention. And what happens is people hear these stories of miracles, and they get excited. It's like they come in like a little bit inflated. It's like, this is great. There's expectation. And they go and they get prayer, and they don't immediately get healed, and they get deflated just as fast as they got inflated because they're moved by what they feel. I got prayer, it still hurts. We can't be moved by what we feel. We're moved by what the word of God says. Are we doing okay? Guys, miracles are great. They testify of Jesus, but don't use them to put your faith in. Oh, this person got healed. Maybe God will heal me. I don't know. I mean, maybe sometimes that works for people. But we're putting our, word, our faith in what Jesus and his word says, not the fact that, oh, this person got healed. Maybe it'll work for me too. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Matthew 8, 13, and, so the, and, the, and to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. I mean, this guy, uh, he tapped into supernatural faith because he understood authority. Many people know the Bible. It says, by his stripes I'm healed, but they aren't putting their faith in God's word. They're putting their faith in what they feel. Nobody puts it in those terms. Nobody's like, it's prayer and it doesn't work. It's like, oh, I'm gonna put faith in what I feel. But guys, we, we've gotta recognize what's happening. That we're, we're putting our eyes, we're putting our trust in something else. So I wanna, um, I wanna compare the centurion's faith to the little faith of Thomas. Poor, poor doubting Thomas. I mean, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I give a lot of people nicknames, but I, I don't know if I'd want like, that nickname the whole time. Like, hey, it's Mr. Unbelief, you know? I'm like, oh, sheesh. So the Bible doesn't call him doubting Thomas, we do. John 20, John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, he's one of the twelve disciples, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus had died, rose from the dead, appeared to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there. And so, did Thomas just believe the word? No, no, no. 
So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see, taste, hear, smell, and feel, unless I see his, hand, see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. What a powerful declaration. <laughs> what a mighty declaration. Unless that doctor's report, and I see the scan, and this and that. Like, like when you're healed, you can see the scan, but don't wait to see the scan to believe you're healed. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So Thomas refused to believe unless he could see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Guys, our five senses are given to us by God. They're necessary for navigating through life. But if we don't renew our minds, we have to acknowledge the limits of what our five senses can do. They can only take us so far. Hebrews 11 says that faith can perceive things that your five senses cannot. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things... Faith is able to see things that your physical senses cannot. We doing all right? And so that type of faith that Thomas operated in, that was human faith. That was natural faith. You can see it. You know, if, uh, you know, if you see someone sitting in a chair, and I say, hey, would you like to sit in that chair? It's natural faith to go, well, if that person's in that chair, and I weigh less than that person, I'll sit in it. But I said, um, you know, if I asked you to fly in an airplane, or, you know, you've flown in airplanes. You've seen other people do it. But I said, hey, they got this new technology, and this airplane is, is uh, fueled by mosquito energy. You know, and so uh, these mosquitoes are like a week old, but, you know, hey, would you, would you like to fly in it? Well, like, like that's, there's no natural faith. You're asking me to do something I haven't seen, I have no experience with, right? We're, people are fine with stuff that they've seen happen. We've got to tap into it. No, we've got to go into that unseen realm. The greater blessing comes from using a supernatural God kind of faith that's based only in God's word. Like I said, believing God's word is not just putting trust in some printed words on a page that we call the Bible. It's about a relationship with a person. It's about the person behind the words. Okay, I mean, some people, they tease that churches are God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible because they don't have the Holy Spirit, right? And so they just do it. They just put faith in the Word. But guys, the thing is, the, the Bible, is, it's putting the faith in the person behind the words. It's not just falling in love with doctrine and words and things like that. Now, we need to ask you a question, and nobody answer this out loud because most people in Western society are going to get it wrong. Okay, you guys have the instructions. You will not answer out loud. Okay? Who's in control of healing? Is it God or us? I heard somebody already whisper. <laughs> Someone who's been here for a while. Uh, most people in Western culture would say God's in control of healing. God's in control. I mean, you, you tell me God's not in control. Um, the truth is what happened here. Jesus, he's looking to do an ordinary miracle. He's going to go and he's going to lay hands on people. And this guy's faith changed the whole circumstance. The, the, the centurion says, listen, Jesus, you don't have to do this. All you have to do is speak the word and my servant will be healed at a distance. You don't even have to come, face, uh, come in, in person. Jesus like, Boy, that is great faith. The centurion got a greater miracle than Jesus intended. The centurion's faith was actually in charge of the miracle. Listen, guys, there was a lot of sick people in Israel. There was a lot of blind people in Israel. Who were the ones who got healed? The ones who came to Jesus expecting him to help. They were in control of the healing. God's will was healing. Anyone who came to Jesus was healed, right? But only the ones who came to him were healed. Blind Bartimaeus, he's the one who cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he cried out long enough that Jesus took, took notice of him and heals the guy. 
The woman with the issue of blood had been sick for 12 years. She decided to get in her heart that she is going to get healed. And what she do? She sneaks up behind Jesus and gets healed, right? Who was in charge of that healing? It was her. She's the one who decided to step out in faith and touch the Son of God. Guys, who's in charge of healing? You are. The work has already been done. God's not up there parceling out healing on a case-by-case basis, you know. Let's see who is worthy. No, he decided that his son was worthy. And whenever faith touches the Son of God, it's like a reflex of action, just like that woman with the issue of blood. Virtue left me. Power left me. There's been a disturbance in the force. What's happened here? Guys, there's no spiritual lottery going on where some are hitting it and some are not. The multitudes came to Jesus, and those who came to Jesus were healed. The ones who did not come were the ones who were not healed. People are like, hold on, what about Jesus in his hometown? It says he could not do many mighty miracles. Yeah, but well, let's look at the context of that. It says that, um, isn't this the carpenter's son? And it says they, uh, they were offended, and they didn't believe, and they started leaving, except Jesus laid his hands on a few sick people, and they got well. The people who were offended and didn't come to Jesus weren't healed. There was a couple that stuck around. He had laid his hands on them, and they were healed. Who was in, that, was, that was in Nazareth in his hometown. Who was in control of it in Nazareth? They were, not Jesus. Are we doing okay? We've got to change our thinking on this. Our religious thinking has made us think that oh, if God wants me healed, he'll heal me. Well, what if we apply this to salvation? If God wants me saved, he'll save me. That's not works. How it works. Jesus has paid for the salvation. It says the grace of God has appeared to all men. All, God has, has made it available, but it's only the ones who come to him in faith who are saved. What if you receive Jesus as your healer the same way you receive him as your savior? How'd you get saved? You heard good news. You believed it. You put your trust in Jesus. You received him as savior. And then the effects of salvation happened. You're not waiting to go, but I'm just going to wait till I'm cleansed. Then maybe I'm saved. You know, maybe I'm going to have my conscience. Maybe I'm going to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then I'll, no, no. You're, you believe and receive or doubt and do without. So that's the same way with, with, uh, with him when it comes to healing. We believe and receive. We don't wait to feel better. Well, you know, I'm getting prayer and oh, I'm feeling better. I guess I'm healed. You believe that he's your healer. You receive him as healer. Then you receive the healing. Thank you, Sean. Someone's listening. That's good. It was faith in Christ first, <clears throat> then comes the salvation. It was faith in Christ first, then comes the experience of healing. There's a lot of times I want to wait to receive my healing before I believe I'm healed. I get my eyes on my circumstances. I'm probably the only one in here. But then when you, sometimes you just got to get that conviction. I don't care what I see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what my body's saying. I don't care what, it, what my, my, my history is. You are my healer. I'm inviting us today to get out of the habit of wanting to be healed to prove to yourself that you've been healed. Waiting to feel better so you can prove to yourself that Christ is your healer. That's completely backwards. I'm inviting you today, make the strong commitment to the truth that Christ is already your healer, and then the manifestation of healing will come. Believing in healing is not the same thing as believing Christ is your healer. Believing in the doctrine of healing Believing that God can heal is not the same thing as you are my healer. Be it unto me, as your word says. When we, we're gonna, we are a church that is going to put more faith in God's word than what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. Guys, I guarantee you, you're going to get bad reports. You're going to get, your body's going to have symptoms. Your, uh, your, your finances are going to tell you one thing. You know, the, the news is going to tell you another. And uh, I, I imagine it's just going to stir up even more. Okay. And so, I mean, the first century, they didn't have news broadcasting bad news 24-7. I mean, so we're dealing with stuff and social media. I mean, as soon as something bad happens, oh, I mean, you could just feed on that all day long. 
but, uh, but not this church. We're going to put more faith in God's word than what we see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. So let me just tell you in case you missed it, Christ is already your healer. The work is done for you. The Father is saying yes and has been saying yes to the whole world since the ministry of Jesus. So we repeat this after me. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. What's that statement doing? It's putting my eyes on Christ's healer and I'm believing before I receive. And so Jesus was under authority. And some of you are thinking, man, I wish I had authority like that. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? Super good news. Super good news. I, did, I, did, I didn't give these verses to the, to the tech guys. But in Matthew 10, uh, hold on. I got a problem. My, my mind's going by. Oh, yeah. Jesus called his disciples in Matthew 10, and he gave them authority over some sicknesses, maybe a little bit of colds. Oh, yeah, you're right. All right, you're right, Shatesh, you're right. He, he gave them authority over every sickness, every disease, every evil spirit. And then he, uh, then he so now the, the, the disciples have received this authority, and then he says, go and uh, um, uh, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. He gives them authority over everything. And you're like, man, those disciples are so lucky. I wish I had that. Super good news. <laughs> Super good news. John 1.12 says that to as many as received him, Jesus, to those who called on his name, he gave them the authority. Some translations say, right, it's the same word authority. He gave them the authority of the sons of God. Jesus said, all authority in Matthew 20, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. Uh, teaching, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immerse them in the reality of the Trinity. And he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Well, he's taken his authority and he's telling you to go out. What were some of the things he told? He, he said, teach them to obey everything I commanded you. That was Matthew 28. What did he command them in Matthew 10? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. The same authority the disciples had, the same command they have, is the same command we now have in the Great Commission. It's the same authority that we now have because we are sons and daughters of God. The authority that Jesus walked in, the authority the disciples walk in, super good news. We get to walk in it too. And you will have as much authority as you're willing to submit to. All right, let's stand up. Okay, I can have a part two if that's okay. I like part two. Hey, we're done before noon. I'm getting some bonus points here. Come on. Perfect. Okay, so um, I, I feel like I have a great resolve in my spirit this morning. I just, um, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I feel like there's probably some of you guys who have too, but um, a, a couple of things. I'm going to say three things, and hopefully they're not scattered. <laughs> I have Lindsay on the front row interceding for me right now. Um, so one thing is, I think that God wants to heal some things that we have just kind of lived with because they're not that bad. We can live with it. Specifically this morning, I want you to come up front. Ministry team, get ready. If you have had effects of COVID that are still affecting your body, so if that's you, and you're ready to say, look, I don't want to live with this anymore. I want to smell. I want to taste right. There's no uh, shame in it. The shame is to say it's God's will or to, or to just to live with no, it. So I, yeah, I no, I still cannot smell properly, <laughs> and I'm sick of it. Come on down. Which isn't a bad thing in a house of boys. I know there's honest, more. So. Yep. All right, so come on down front. So that, this is one thing. 
And um, the other thing, while they're coming down and ministry team come around them, is I was thinking about how we give up too soon. You know, we're like, somebody like prays for us or we pray for ourselves and we don't see the breakthrough right away. So we're just like, eh, I guess I'll just live with it. Or I guess, you know, God doesn't, you know, he's not ready to heal me or whatever it is you're thinking. So I started thinking about a couple of stories. One is the Old Testament where um, the guy who dipped seven times in the river, the prophet, yeah, Naaman, the prophet told him, hey, I want you, he's had like leprosy or something. Leprosy, yeah. And uh, he's like, go dip in the Jordan River seven times and then you're gonna be cleansed. And he's like, yeah, but there's other rivers over here I could go in that are better. And, and the prophet's like, no, like go dip here and you're gonna be cleansed. And he was cleansed. And then Jesus with the, the mud in the eyes, I think we already went through that story, Not didn't yet. we? Okay, oh, we so. haven't? Okay, well, that'll be next week. <laughs> I'm jumping the gun. John 9, we haven't done it yet, yeah. John 9, but, but Jesus put mud in the, guy, the blind guy's eye, and he's like, go wash your eyes, and you're going to see in the, in the pool of Siloam. Siloam. And um, this is my Bible right here. <laughs> I actually have the scriptures right here. I'm just not even reading them. You're doing great, babe. Thank you. And so, um, so... I want, so the second thing I want to say regarding all that is sometimes the Lord is going to have you do something as a prophetic act. And maybe it's not even a prophetic act. Maybe he just wants you to do something that might look a little bit weird, like mud in your eyes or something like that. But so maybe just listen to the Lord. I'm talking to everybody, not just these people up front, but everybody who has sickness in their body or like a chronic something or other. God wants to heal you. Like, he actually already has. We're just trying to pull it out of that realm, right? And that manifestation, get it here. And um, I think that was it. I feel like there's a third thing. So don't give up after the first time. Oh, I know what I was going to say. The um, dipping seven times. I was thinking, like, if that guy had to dip seven times, how many times, you know, we talk about this all the time about praying seven times. If, if, you know, Jesus had to pray twice, we get 100 or something like that. But what I'm saying is... Don't stop believing after the first prayer. Don't stop believing after the first prayer. Okay, so, um, so all of you guys here have um, effects from COVID that we want to get rid of. So I want you to put your hand on the part of the body that you have been affected by all the parts. You have two and ministry hands. team coming up and pray with them too. And um, yeah, staff, if you guys want to come too. Somebody, <laughs> this is actually a really funny picture, you guys, but it's awesome. I'm going to put my hand on my nose because I want to smell. So we're going to pray right now and we're going to believe. We just heard this awesome message filled with faith and we're going to activate it right now. So in the name of Jesus, we speak to every receptor in our smellers. And we say, time to smell again. Yeah. Wake up. Every effect of COVID be made healed in the name of Jesus. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Every effect from that virus be healed in the name of Jesus. Every effect. Smell. Smell. Taste. Maybe it's uh, some people had their heart affected. Lungs. Lungs affected, yes. Hair loss. Hair loss, yes. In the name of Jesus, we just speak yeah. 
hair growth right now in the name of Jesus, multiplication where things have been uh, taken away, multiplication in that hair, hair growth right now in the name of Jesus, every heart problem. God, we just thank you for that word this morning. We receive it. And we are no longer going to live with something because it's not that bad. Jesus, you paid for everything. You paid for everything. If you're online, too, and you have these effects from COVID, join with this prayer, too. God wants to heal you, too. In Jesus' name, were you going to say something? Yeah, it's just as we're praying, I want us to just use our imaginations, just like the centurion. Uh, let's go back to the centurion. He just said, Jesus, I see that you're under authority. You're representing the will of someone else. You're carrying out the agenda of someone else, and their power is backing you up. So say the word. So let's just get our eyes, and we just recognize, Jesus, you perfectly revealed the Father. You healed every person who came to you. And Jesus, we're bringing uh, these precious people before you when recognizing you're carrying out the will of God. And all of heaven backs up when Jesus says. And he's, uh, so just hear the words of Jesus. He said these to so many people. And act on this word, be made whole. Jesus says to you with the authority of heaven, be made whole in the name of Jesus. Let's not make it harder than it is. Jesus, we receive that. Yes. We say, thank you, Jesus. If your body isn't immediately responding, don't stop believing. We're going to continue to let the seed of the word of God uh, germinate in the womb of our minds, and uh, we're going to bear that fruit. Be made whole thank in the name Jesus. of Jesus. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, when you leave this place, do something that you couldn't do before. You know, practice smelling, practice tasting, and praise God every time, like, you have a new smell. You know what I mean? Yes, you can praise him now, too. <laughs> hey, let us know in the church. There's power in let us know as a church. Uh, there's power in testimony. And write it on the wall. People need encouragement. So, Well, our ministry teams are already up here. If you would like additional prayer. And, uh, yeah, the people who are get receiving prayer, you can turn around and show